Today's sponsor is Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior tech editor at The Verge. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, our podcast about consumer tech. Not just gadgets, but also apps, services, and really anything that has to do with you, the consumer, and all of your embarrassing personal tech questions. So send us those questions. We really read them all. First, you can tweet them to at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. That's two R's and two S's in embarrassed. We also have an email address that works directly with Waymo, Google's new self-driving car <laughs> service. So if you get a ride in a Waymo, you can just put a little message in it for Kara Swisher, mm-hmm. sends it to her directly, oh, and answers Waymo. all of your personal tech Waymo. questions Waymo. that's what it's called Kate right Waymo? ask that question in a minute we have a great back catalog of podcasts too where you can find them on itunes at itunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask happy holidays Kara. thank you thank you i said this on an earlier podcast this month but we've been doing this podcast now for almost a year we've known each other for much longer than that haven't we we've known each other since 2000 and whatever. It's been a long time. It's when we both were in the Dow Jones Empire. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. We escaped with our barely with our necks intact. And I'm also really excited because Casey Newton joined us for Mm -hmm. our inaugural episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask almost a year ago. Inaugural. Inaugural. Having in just a short time. Don't remind me. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about Peach. Peach. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Casey was here a year ago. Hi, Casey. Hi, Casey. How's it going? How's Peach doing? You know, like many of us, it had a rough 2016. (laughs) What did you say? It'll be, it is the hottest social app. I, Friday or something? Uh, yeah, I, I think I described it as Friday's hottest social network, which it <laughs> inarguably was. Yeah, but was. Friday came to an end. Yes, exactly. And then there was Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, 2016 has been pretty tough for Peach and the rest of us, haven't it? It sucked. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so for today's show, we're going to recap the top tech stories of 2016, as well as the biggest product launches of the year, and talk about what it all means for 2017 with Casey, who is... Besides me, the smartest person in tech. Oh, yeah. you're too kind. You're too kind. And, oh, and you, wait a, a second. Bar. Oh, you. Yes, also Lauren. <laughs> Present company excluded. Yeah. Uh, but but actually, one very exciting thing did happen to us this year, Kara, which is that we moved in together to the same office. I know. I know. So, so I can now see you at all since. times and learn your methods. And you also take pictures of me when I'm not looking. Which I, is do, I do. I did do a creep creepy. shot. I did yeah, do a do. creep shot. You're gonna do one every morning and have a very <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah con thing I'm, it gives me the creeps i've already had the police uh, involved <laughs> so let's go through the top tech stories product launches of the year lauren why don't you begin we're going to give casey just a few seconds and we'll all talk about them but we want to hear what casey thinks and we'll try to do them pretty quickly okay mm-hmm. coming in at number 10 number 10 top 10 stories of 2017 the iphone 7 apple kills the headphone jack mm, courage brutally murdered <laughs> R.I.P. Casey, what's your take on that? I bought an iPhone 7, and it is uh, both the least consequential and most infuriating mm-hmm. iPhone upgrade of my entire life. I'm yeah. constantly having to swap out my charging cable for my you know, lightning earbuds, and it makes me unhappy. You don't have the double dongle? I have several. You know, then I need to borrow a dongle. No, uh, brother, can you spare a dongle? dongle. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys um, need a room? Well, <laughs> stay Not tuned. Not <laughs> But no, uh, you know, I mean, I think um, it, it honestly just is not a, a great iPhone upgrade. I think, you know, if you're coming to iPhone 7 from iPhone 5, you're probably happy. But if you just took a step up from the 6S, there was not a ton to be excited about, at least not that I found after, you know, three months of using it. I'm finding it hard. The wireless is not as good. It just, it's not as good a phone. It feels not as good a phone. How's yeah. the camera? 
good. Uh, the camera is good, but but so is the camera in the 6S. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of talk, you know, around the launch about how much improved this camera was and that it would really kind of be a reason to upgrade. But I have to say that in my tests, you know, I haven't found it to be that much better. Now, people do say that the uh, 7 Plus camera is, is mm-hmm. sort of noticeably better, but um, my hands just aren't that big. Right. Apple did say earlier this month they would be shipping the AirPods in time mm-hmm. for the holidays. Well, in some cases for the holidays. Uh, some people, people are getting them in January. And so they did make the holiday cutoff for the AirPods, which we weren't quite sure about. It's going to be interesting to see what people have to say about those in the new year. But it all signs point towards 2017, hopefully being the year where the iPhone actually gets really reinvented because this year's upgrade was... Yeah, sort of incremental. Pretty ho hum. Are you getting yeah. the earbuds? Make look look real pretty with those earbuds. You know, I have to say, I've seen actually a fair number of people walking around town mm-hmm. with them here in San Francisco, and uh, they do look kind of tacky to me. So yeah. I'm going to be one of those people that sort of waits and sees. And if people are able to walk around without being beat up, then maybe mm-hmm. I would buy them mm-hmm. for the convenience. But as a fashion statement, yeah. I'm not impressed. Not a good one. All right, Casey Newton is not, not impressed. impressed. iPhone seven <laughs> <By the> earbuds. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to number nine of the top tech stories of 2016. (laughs) Samsung Galaxy Note 7, a literal garbage fire. Mm. Don't bring it on the plane, y'all. Did they tell you that like nine times? (laughs) So many times. I think it's still happening. Every time. Although Samsung did recently issue a software update that was just completely turned off all of the remaining ones out there. Mm. So I like that December was when they decided to do that. What's the rush, (laughs) Samsung? Yeah. And they apologized, by the way, to their US market in a full page newspaper ad on Mm. Thanksgiving Day. Because that's when everybody's looking at the Casey's not impressed. Casey, what do you think of this story? You know, it's hard to imagine a more catastrophic incident for a brand than to have your uh, products literally uh, bursting into flame mm. and Samsung found that out the hard Unless way. Unless log. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Everyone loves a log. Everyone loves a log. Loves a log. Uh, yeah, Duraflame Dur- is the one exception, I guess, to that <laughs> yeah. rule. But, you know, um, I'll just be very interested to see how Samsung tries to come back from that. They were one of the very few manufacturers that were actually making profits on smartphones. And you have to imagine that uh, this has created a lot of ground for a competitor to kind of come. And then they they had like the ones they replaced also exploded, right? Yeah. I mean, at every turn, it just, it was just like a very kind of hapless company. um, And and one that had sort of prided itself on the quality of its products. So so Um, what are they going to do now? I'm going to say now with 100% less, flames or what you know they need really good crisis pr they need a they need a they need a funny ad campaign that like manage it like walks that tightrope of Mm. like you know poking fun at themselves while still taking seriously the fact that they hurt people i mean they they have well i don't think you can just say like hey we're really really sorry like because this is like killed the cool factor for their brand like they need to do something that makes them look self-aware and cool Well, and like, and that's something we've basically never seen from Samsung. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Mm. I think this sounds is like disaster. they should get into hoverboards. Disaster. Mm. Speaking of things that burst. Yeah, into right. Exactly. At least you know they're going to burst into flames in that case. <laughs> um, all right. So bad. You're not impressed. But I'm always impressed when something in my hands just burst into flame. Yeah. That's like, how did you get it to do that? That's just that's <laughs> just that's a science project. Yeah. I was just going to say, if this was a seventh yeah. grade, you get an eight plus. Yeah, there are some interesting reports on TheVerge.com that mm-hmm. that have to do with uh, the battery. I mean, it was obviously an issue in the battery and the, and and just sort of an error in the manufacturing process. Um, 
you know, they relied on uh, third parties to build the batteries, but mm-hmm. apparently their quality assurance process kind of didn't catch it. So just huge mistakes all around and something that Samsung will be sort of reeling from for, for will years. Will they get out of the phone? Business? I still think that they, they have like a lot of kind of brand equity in being a smartphone manufacturer, but I bet they're also really glad they have a, you know, backup business and refrigerators. All right. <laughs> Oh my god! I hope it doesn't burst in a flame. I think I have one. Go ahead. Number when your refrigerator eight. turns into an oven. <laughs> oh, that's not funny, uh, but it is. Thanks. Save space in your kitchen. Funny, not uh, funny. Number eight: uh, the phenomenon that was Pokemon Go. Pokemon mm. Go was first announced in September of 2015, but the game didn't launch until July 2016, and it was so popular upon its launch that Niantic, which makes the game, its servers actually crashed. Uh, people went nuts over Pokemon Go. Casey, good thing, bad thing. I think generally this is a good thing. This is a great thing. I mean, like, it's just an, an unqualified success uh, all around. Um, the thing that I loved most about Pokemon Go was walking around San Francisco, playing it, seeing so many other people playing it. I had more conversations with random San Franciscans than I did in six years of living here. Everybody wanted to say hi. Everybody wanted to ask tips about, oh, did you find this, you know, monster? Um, so it, it was, like, one of the first truly social mobile games, social in the old school sense of, like, human beings talking to each other in person so it's a really fun thing uh, made niantic and the pokemon company a ton of money mm-hmm. uh and, and just like a, a one of the you know kind of few um unabashed Happy. like lovely things yeah, about 2016. But tapered off yeah i mean the, unfortunately it wasn't a great game right mm-hmm. it's sort of like after you've caught the pokemon that live in your town there mm-hmm. wasn't a lot to do and yeah. so that's something they My probably should have thought about more doing it. And, yeah. and they loved it loved it loved it and now they're like oh no mom. yeah and mom. now there are sponsored uh pokestops as well yeah, or just... i don't know if they're officially sponsored but like sprint for example part with Niantic so to draw people into Sprint retail stores. So you know once like the fourth largest wireless carrier in the U.S. is like, come to our store for Pokestops. That it's sort of, you yeah. know, it's at that, it's at that peak. Um, there was a Pokestop in my bedroom. I don't know why, but but let me just say, <laughs> well, then. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how, where they go because we had the, the CEO, uh, John Hankey, on our thing and he was talking about various things to make the game more exciting, but I think it's super hard to bring games back. There's a lot of games like Angry Birds yeah. and others. So, what do you do? What would you do, Casey? Man, um, I mean, it's a hard question to answer for the just the reason that you said that these games don't generally come back to life. You know, I, for one, found the combat stuff in Pokemon Go really hard. Like, you sort of blindly just, like, mash your paw on the screen and hope that your monster wins. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were able to figure out maybe a new combat system, um, I think real, that would help. Real you know, swords. Yeah, the, my kids would like that. The, I mean, the other thing that they could do is just um, capitalize on the fact that what people really love to do in Pokemon Go is catch monsters by just sort of releasing new monsters or sort of making available monsters that, you know, previously you had to, like, travel to Mexico to find or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of monsters that weren't in your neighborhood, bring them to your neighborhood for, like, limited time events. I try to do I'm more, bored, more stuff like that. Also, like, virtual goods. You should be able to buy clothes for your Pokemon. I'm just rambling. Now, All right, good. All fun. right. That's fine. Business development exactly. Executive Casey Newton has terrible ideas. (laughs) Next one. Strategy. (laughs) Next one. Uber officially gets into self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not totally new in the sense that Uber CEO Travis Kalanick started talking about this in 2014 at Code Conference. in an insulting way. It was like, the problem is the drivers. Uh, Get rid of them. And yes, Uber drivers, just so you know. That's what you have coming for you. But then they also acquired Auto, which was an autonomous trucking company. Uh, and that made its first delivery in October. And then Uber started giving rides to reporters in an actual self-driving vehicle earlier this fall as I've well. I've seen them around the streets of San Francisco. Yes. So, so they were in Pittsburgh so first, This was I supposed think. to be when I interviewed uh, Travis on this issue after he 
dissed the drivers and got in trouble. He also said it was a decades-long process, and of course, now it's not. So what do you think about this, Casey Newton? And I mean, when's it really going to happen? Look, there's actually like very few technologies that I get more excited about than autonomous vehicles. They have so much potential to save lives, right? 30,000 Americans die every year in auto accidents. So, I mean, it's a tremendously important issue, and I think all the progress that's being made is really exciting. You know, for Uber, from a business perspective, they've described this as an existential issue because they know that the minute that you don't need a driver, that like that, that is Uber's only real advantage uh, mm-hmm. these days. I mean, there are a couple of others, but the main advantage right. they have is their network, network, right? They can deliver you a car in two minutes, like, you know, Lyft well, and might take twice as long. They, they have some other good things going for them, but ultimately the drivers are kind of at the heart of what's made Uber successful. So when you don't have drivers, what do they do? So, you know, I mean, I think if you're an Uber investor, you were really excited to see, that, to see them move so aggressively this year yeah. to actually get cars on the road, to make an acquisition, and to um, sort of present this as uh, uh, something that's coming with months. As we wrote today, months. though, they've been having troubles with some of the executives. Johanna wrote a story. Johanna yeah, I mean, it's not a good place to work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> no, I mean... Um, and so, do you imagine... Anytime you go into an office, by the way, and they have showers in their bathrooms, you're like, oh, you are required to sleep here. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what yeah. that means. Um, or maybe go jogging. Um, so um, the drivers, though, the driver issue, obviously, is a big one. And I just recently got kicked out of my first Uber by a very angry driver. I and heard all about I said this. is, don't take a ride on Market Street. I, I, really, I'm usually super rude, but I was not in this instance. So it was really fascinating. Um, when are we getting yeah. to the drivers? Well, so I like it. most Uber drivers. I'll be honest. I like most of them. Right. Yeah, well, and, and you know, in an autonomous vehicle, nobody's going to ignore that request from no, you. No, they are so, not. Yeah. <laughs> turn, turn, turn! <laughs> Reboot. Carrot Swisher, this is not the most um, efficient. So what do we think is going to happen in 2017 yeah. with self-driving cars? Yeah. Because now Uber's in the game, Google's obviously in it, Tesla, all the automakers, all of the old automakers in Detroit are, you know, starting to invest in autonomous technology. I company myself. Where's this all? Who's going to win? Is it going to be a platform play? Is it going to be someone in the, you know, is it going to be Apple? Is it going to be the automakers? I, you know, I, I don't know, but I will say, I think that people are getting perhaps a bit too excited about how quickly this stuff is going to arrive. There's essentially like two kinds of autonomous vehicles. There's ones that are like partially piloted and then there's the fully piloted ones. Right. And what we get really excited about is the fully piloted ones. I was riding in a Google self-driving car um, earlier this year and the engineer was telling me like, look, we're, there are still t- many, many edge cases that we have not figured yep. out. Like every week, something happens that we've never seen well, happen before. We need before. sensors in the roads, from what I understand, from Mercedes and others. Sensors in the road will Infrastructure help. Infrastructure spending. Infrastructure, right? There's all kinds of stuff that needs to happen, and none yeah. of that's going to happen in 2017. And yeah. I don't think anybody can win until some of that stuff gets solved. Now, I do think you will see a lot of cars on the road that are like partially piloted, mm-hmm. but sort of how does that work exactly? Like, I, I don't know. So I'm glad to see all the spending on it, but. This is not Eventual. an issue that's going to be solved in 2017. Casey is yeah. mildly impressed. Decades yeah. long. <laughs> All right, next <laughs> one. Okay. Yeah. Next one. Snapchat gets into hardware, or should I call it Snap? Snap. Yes. Yes. And Casey just took a picture of it where he thinks he looks attractive, but he was not <laughs> in any way. Wait, did you just take a picture of what? Of himself in spectacles. Yeah. Oh, you have so spectacles? Mike Isaac. You're so all are they here? I don't, I don't have them, but last night I was hanging out with a friend and she graciously let me borrow her spectacles and pose for a portrait. Uh, my friend Paris, mm-hmm. uh, who lives here in San Francisco. Oh my God, she's the coolest Snapchat person fan. ever. Her name is Paris and she has spectacles. Yeah, she's an incredibly cool person. This wasn't and Paris Hilton, was it? It was not Paris Hilton. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. She won't return my calls. But, um, but yeah, so I tried out spectacles and, you know, this was another 
another kind of fun 2016 story. Mm -hmm. I think people have gotten a little bit carried away with um, describing how important this could be. Um, these are a very like sort of limited production run for Snapchat, yeah. but th they do have some pretty big They're business fun. implications. They're not Google Glass, let's just say. I mean, like the reception has been ten times better them. than oh, Google Glass. Yeah, and do you think yeah. that's because of what they actually do or how they've been positioned? I think both. I mean, I think that it helped tremendously that they cost one hundred and forty dollars, whereas Google Glass cost fifteen hundred. Yeah, and also right? the light goes on. You know when someone's doing it. It's yeah. very simple. It's like yeah. And also, let, let's face it: like technology is often more popular the second time it comes around, right? Nobody wanted a, a Newton message pad, but then the iPad comes yeah, out. That and people was, are like, "This is brilliant." It was wrongly done. I mean, Google Glass was wrong on every level, and like you, you were a creep tard, really. Yeah. Come on. And yeah. this one is sort of like fun. You see the light on. You're very aware of it. It looks like a toy. Right. So it doesn't yeah. feel like an aggressive, scary creep show. That and yeah. you're not also, as the wearer, you're not, you know, watching a YouTube video or reading right. an email while right. you're talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. the, the intent is you are capturing a short yeah. video of someone else, like something fun, fun like around you, right? Fun. Yeah. And the fact that their sunglasses mean it's like something that you're meant to do like while you're outside, mm -hmm. like where you're doing just kind of like a fun activity. It's not so much mm -hmm. like, you know, you're wearing them in meetings and like reading emails while you're talking to people. So you don't have a pair yet? I don't have a pair yet. vending machines, right? Yeah, I mean, like, Snapchat has been just tremendously annoying about this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, just set up an that online cool. store and let me buy a pair of sunglasses, <laughs> no, I like right? It. Yeah, now it's like, well, you gotta hire a t task rabbit to fly it's to whimsical. New York. Call. Uh, yeah, call, call it what you like. Yeah. Uh, when I'm you a, get them, you, when you and I do our weekly conga dancing lesson, <laughs> yes. I think it would be perfect. It's gonna be great. Let, no, let's talk about something serious about, uh, about Snapchat, though, which mm -hmm. is that the year that they released these was also the year that Facebook declared war on them. Like mm. Facebook is mm -hmm. strip mining Snapchat for parts. Almost they every are. single feature of that app has come to either Facebook Messenger or Facebook itself or Instagram. And mm -hmm. so Snapchat has this existential crisis of what is our second act because mm -hmm. Facebook is doing everything they can to limit their growth prospects. So getting into hardware, good choice for Snapchat. Mm. All right. Interesting. Casey is... Somewhat impressed. Fairly impressed. I'm impressed. I've actually liked the I last like three things. Impressed. Good for me. Okay, we're going to talk about the remaining top five tech stories of the year after this. But first, let's make some money. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One knows you've got questions about your credit. You may be asking, who's really in charge of my credit score? Casey Newton, of course. Or how does my credit actually work? That's why Capital One created the CreditWise app. You can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. It's free to anyone, whether you're a Capital One customer or not. In fact, millions of CreditWise users have improved their scores by 20 points or more. So download the app for free today. Availability depends on presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank USA NA. Okay, it's time for the next five topics in our countdown. And uh, again, we should know it's not quite yet the end of 2016. We're actually a couple weeks out from the end of the year, and there's always a chance some really big news could still happen between now and then that it's not going to end up on our list. But seriously, I hope yeah. there's no more big news. Well, you know, there is this, the Trump Tech Summit, which is taking place tomorrow, but by the time this airs, it'll be weeks later, so we'll know what happened. Yeah, we should just do like an addendum to this podcast when right. it airs, just you like know. Kara ranting for at least seven minutes you know at the end of it. I think we Sheeple. should sheeple is all i have to say i was yeah. not invited i would have gone what did you say that the reaction was internally when people received the invite ah, ah fuck 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 that's what they said yes you know what i mean yeah. um but it's uh, isn't going to be an interesting year for that for sure and but there's so much else going on but there's just way too much news and news is one of the big things we're going to talk about but let's come in at number five Big stories in M&A, Microsoft, LinkedIn, Dell, EMC, AT&T, and Time Warner, which has not yet been approved. Uh, the Microsoft deal has passed. Microsoft, LinkedIn, $26 billion. Dell, EMC, $67 billion. AT&T, Time Warner, $85 billion. And there's going to be a lot of sales, but Twitter couldn't sell. Um, so Casey, what do you think of all this? 
Well, well I, uh, I feel like such like a nerd. Like, uh, interesting consolidation in the marketplace, Kara. There's <laughs> a lot of implications across variety of verticals. Um, <laughs> uh, the most exciting thing to me is that Microsoft bought LinkedIn uh, because LinkedIn is a bad product. Uh, it's, a, it's a valuable product, but a bad one. So mm-hmm. I just hope that Microsoft sort of finds what's valuable about LinkedIn, uh, strip mines it, and then uh, sort of finds a better use for it. And then the people at LinkedIn, uh, you know, will hopefully be working on a better product in the future. So right. yeah. I just want to get endorsements from Clippy. But what, what, yeah. what do you think about the M&As? Because there's going to be a lot more, I think, this year. Well, I mean, I mean, I look at these three and I see different reasons why all of them mm-hmm. happen. So, like, I, I can't draw a through line between those three in particular. But, you know, generally speaking, in, a, in an era where Trump is president, uh, the bigger your corporation, the better for you, probably, yeah. right? Everybody wants to be a giant. Well, what should sell? Um, Twitter might sell. Netflix, what? I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, that's like kind of outside my area of expertise. Oh. I don't have like really smart thoughts about who should sell to what. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was fascinating that Twitter couldn't find anyone to sell it. And uh, as a as, as a active user of that product, I am very curious what happens to it next year. I, I assume it won't be anything good. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It couldn't get worse in some ways. I mean, what would be a good thing that happened to Twitter? Like sell. Google buying it? Yeah. yeah, Google. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Somebody that's going to, a company that's going to keep it alive. Yeah. And actually, oh, someone's going to keep it alive. It's a very valuable property. Yeah. It's not, it's just a question of how it runs, how you make money, and how you control the cesspool of it. Yeah. And right. what do you do with Donald Trump? Right. Yeah. But also, how you make it even more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Because, Absolutely. right, as the, the social network grows and sort of, it's never gotten particularly bloated with mm-hmm. its features and stuff no, like I that. Agree. But people who've never used it before, it's not like they're signing up for Facebook and they go, oh, I'm on Facebook and I'm on this news feed and I see pictures. I mean, people get really confused by Twitter if they've never used it before. And that's something that, like, like I've talked to you know past executives about saying like we're basically just trying to figure out how to make it more user friendly and get mm-hmm. more you know make it more mainstream especially so they're trying to do like TV yeah. deals and stuff like that so um, you know whoever if it gets bought whoever buys it I would hope would keep it's the core product intact but also make it a little bit more user friendly yeah, I think so and there'll be some IPOs obviously mm-hmm. possibly Uber Airbnb and Snapchat Snapchat and Snap that's Snap. right all right well clearly the market is our expertise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, <laughs> moving moving on to the next one. Uh, in all seriousness, this is a very serious story we're addressing now. The San Bernardino iPhone case. There was a shooting and attempted bombing in San Bernardino, California in December of 2015 uh, that left 14 people dead. It was an awful story. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a story that resonated throughout the tech sector in the months immediately afterwards because the FBI said it couldn't unlock one of the shooter's phones and Apple refused to give the FBI a back door. So it sort of became uh, a battle between encryption and counterterrorism. Casey, your thoughts on this, Apple's stance in the matter, and what it means for our security going forward? I mean, it's really interesting to think about in the context of a Trump administration, right? Um, In fact, I wonder if there were some people who sort of uh, supported Obama in this case who are maybe now glad that Apple stood up to the president and Mm -hmm. and will continue to do so. You know, in this particular case, uh, my understanding is that the FBI essentially found another way to access the phone and so dropped its case. But had it not done that, like this may have actually come to a head 
and it may have had some some bad consequences. So, you know, as somebody who lives in fear of the surveillance state, which I did under Obama and will do even more so now, um, like I advocate strong encryption. I don't like the idea of uh, there being a key that the FBI has to just look at my phone whenever it wants to. But I think that this was kind of an opening battle in a war that is is likely going to escalate over the next four years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I have to say on a personal level too, it's one reason why I keep coming back to iMessage. I mean, I have to switch to Android phones on a fairly regular basis for testing purposes or I'm carrying around both phones in my bag. But knowing that what I'm sending on an Android device or another device is an SMS and then an SMS is something that is sent uh, from carrier to carrier and that that data is something that has been given up essentially in the, fast, sure. in the past and that there's metadata available from those interactions um, really makes me appreciate iMessage even more. Yep, absolutely. I think that's an important thing. I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see how much Apple can stand up and who else does and a lot of them are being a little squishy on it. Um, you know, just, just recently, and we'll talk about this later, these data registries, all kinds of things they're going to have to stand up to the government on. So we'll see. All right, the next one, Theranos. Finally, yes. a story with a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> this has been quite a story. You can't, you couldn't write fictionally, and it's going to be a, a movie. By by the way, it um, is the work of uh, John Carrieu uh, Carrieu uh, from the Wall Street Journal did an amazing job uncovering this, which is in plain sight, apparently. Um, so it was founded in 2003. John started writing critically about it in 2015, although there have been little bits and pieces about it. Um, so the problems with the blood testing machines and the CEO, Elizabeth Holmes, tried to defend it, and, and then it had to shut down its facilities. It's getting sued by partners. It laid off 40% of its workers, facing lawsuits. A uh, huge amount of investors, high-profile investors like Larry Ellison, and, and a board full of stacked with old secretaries of state. <laughs> um, so what do you think, Casey? I mean, it, in, incredible journalism by uh, John Carreyou, and I think a lot of lessons for us to learn. I mean, one for me was that, you know, listening to Elizabeth Holmes try to explain herself, which she did, um, you know, many times both before and after these stories, I always found myself confused. But I, w- I was sort of likely to just stop and say, well, look, this is like very complicated science. I clearly just don't understand. But, you know, Carrie, actually went out and talked to the scientists who said that none of what she's saying makes a lick of sense. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, seeking that extra layer of expertise um, is a great reminder for us journalists. You know, as a story, everybody wanted Theranos to win. Who wouldn't want to be able to be tested for any disease by just a a prick of the finger, Mm -hmm. right? But, um, you know, sometimes things that uh, sound too good to be true often are. And man, was this a lesson in that. Yeah, I think sometimes in Silicon Valley, too, there's this attitude um, amongst some entrepreneurs. I'm not going to lump them all together because they're not all like this, but they feel like history will absolve them in some way. And so they look to, you know, past, you know, figures like Steve Jobs or anyone who maybe at some point did something that seems a little brash or ethically not really sound, but then still managed to succeed. And decades later, it becomes, they become these tales of lore and things like that. And maybe yeah, they just think there, they can there break is a these rules. stock option issues and, it's not, and blood. Like, right, this is serious. Course, this, I have this a blood is, I agree. problem. I have a blood problem. And I, I didn't do it, and she had wanted to be written about a lot by Rico, and we don't have a healthcare reporter, so we didn't really write about her much. And I just remember thinking, I don't know if it works. I don't know how we can determine if it works if we don't have someone on staff that understands it very well. Yeah. But as someone who has to have regular blood tests, I was really furious. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that's a healthy attitude, mm-hmm. um, but I'm saying I think there are some entrepreneurs that sort of operate right. with that belief. Like, yeah. they're going to break some rules and ask for forgiveness later, and I, I don't think with something people like people's die. health, it's, people it's the die. right way to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. So what do you think is going to happen, Casey? 
Uh, I mean, I think that that company eventually just like disappears. I, I mean, it gets sued into bankruptcy. And, yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. What happens to turtlenecks that you wear? I think uh, I think turtlenecks are going to go out of fashion mm-hmm. for a while. All right, black turtlenecks. Mm-hmm. Is not impressed. Does not impress Casey Newton. <laughs> Black turtlenecks. They get the thumbs down from Casey Newton. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, on a hot guy, maybe. All right. That's um, enough of that. Yeah, right. I could see that. It's a family show. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, with you dropping F-bombs every other episode. <laughs> Clearly, it's a family show. Well, it's my family show. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're getting close to number one, but we're not there yet. The next up is the... Casey Kasem voice. And coming in at number two. <laughs> coming in at number two is... A saga of great import the for new, the election. The new Kate Hudson Matthew McConaughey special. <laughs> okay, the, uh, your new best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, number two is the all-too-real saga of Facebook, Google, and others promoting fake news, along with Twitter's issues around abuse and harassment. Mm-hmm. Casey, you know the story better than anybody here, I think. Yeah, fake news. Casey, what do you think? Yeah, so I mean, there's kind of a, a big, still unfolding national conversation about the role that these platforms have in um, in conveying misinformation, disinformation, propaganda, hoaxes, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to call it. And of course, Facebook and Google and others have said, look- Largely Facebook and Google. But mostly Facebook, and Facebook is, is arguably the most important here, have said, look, you know, we're a neutral platform. Mm-hmm. We just give people the power to talk. What they mm-hmm. talk about is up to them, not us. But it clearly has had some really pernicious effects on uh, on our country. And I think Facebook is going to find um, uh, sort of a much more adversarial press waiting for them in 2017 than they saw this year, because we've now seen what happens when a hyper-partisan country retreats to their filter bubbles and spend months telling and, each other lies about the government. And the, you know, initially Mark uh, sort of dismissed it, and then he sort of modulated, and he said 1%, I don't know where he got that number, like, I'm not sure, or gray area. They, they keep trying to do that. And I feel like they're abrogating their responsibility almost completely. There are yeah. media companies, they people get their news from them, they have some level of responsibility and they always they sort of go to the we're just a platform kind of thing and it drives me mad at this point because they can do it for other things like and i know it's hard and i know the false positive the false negatives they try to drown you in that but these people can figure this out oh yeah and they're happy to tell you that they can build a plane in 18 months you know based on ideas that they you know come up with during that time but it come but how do we like keep hillary as a lizard person from Mm -hmm. getting 80 million shares that's impossible to them right so they need to really rethink that yeah Um, why don't they casey because they are terrified that if they become perceived as a partisan website, mm-hmm. that they will die. Like Facebook's, Facebook wants to be the social network for every human being on the planet. And you know how hypersensitive people are around political issues. Like I do think that if, you know, if conservatives in particular came to feel like the links that they were sharing weren't getting a fair shot on Facebook, it would open up an opportunity for a Fox News style fair and balanced social network and all those people oh would kind God. of flee Facebook. So, I mean, I think it's a very real possibility for Facebook, but I also think that, you know, that they have a responsibility yeah. to stop the spread of lies and misinformation. And it's led to real life consequences of Pizzagate and others. I mean, you know, Absolutely. they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. And you're like, um, someone almost, this guy showed up with a gun. Like, and it's right. happened several times, like several really real life incidents where it matters. Absolutely. There, there are violent mobs that get organized on Facebook, on Twitter, on Reddit. And if you were working at one of those platforms and you don't think you have any role to play in that, you are kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. And what? I don't understand why they won't take responsibility. Really, it's fascinating. It's such a, uh, it's such a reflection of Silicon Valley at its worst. I think. How hopeful yeah. are you that people will start to take responsibility in 2017? Not. 
Um, I think that they will make concessions. They sort of have, they have said they are working on some things. So I, I'm confident that they will roll out some things on the product side. I think the question is how effective will those be? You know, at the end of the day, what I will say about Facebook in particular is that it is a company that is very sensitive to what is said about it. And if the narrative remains that Facebook is a swamp for fake news, they will do everything they can to change that. Let's keep saying swamp for fake news then. I mean, you know, I think they got shook up by the conservatives initially, fired their human team. Right, which made everything worse, literally. (laughs) It was the exact wrong response. Yeah, because most humans get Hillary Clinton is not a lizard person. I I am all for human editors, considering that all three of us, Mm -hmm. all four of us sitting here are, in fact, human editors. That said, if you are going to fire your your team of human news people and you're going to double down on algorithms, then do it right. Then do it right. Do it right. They have a responsibility. They love taking the money, but they don't like taking the responsibility. All right, number one, we almost regret to say it, but it's President-elect Donald Trump, and it's all the impact he has had on the tech sector, including but not limited the potential that the election was hacked by Russia, and of course, Twitter, 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 Twitter. So Casey, um, just remember, we're recording this episode a couple weeks early due to the holidays, but it's an ongoing story. And the week before our recording, the CIA said it had a reason to believe Russia interfered with the election, not hacking voting machines, but sowing chaos, for example, hacking the DMC. Um, they may have also hacked the RNC, but they didn't release the information. And Trump has ignored these intelligence briefings almost completely and insulted, I think, 17 agencies today? Yeah. For him. So, okay. Happy New Year. Happy and, New Year. Uh, so, what do you think about this? What do you think about Go this? to iTunes and listen to us. <laughs> Uh, you know, these are the, this is a very dark time in our country. I almost shudder to imagine what happened in the two weeks since we're recording this yeah. before it airs, right? Um, you know, uh, it, it is the biggest story of our time. None of us knows what's going to happen. I think almost all of us spend um, most of our days just like vacillating between terror and fear, like, which actually you can't vacillate between those no. two things, so they're the same thing. I think this is going to unfold in a hundred different ways over the next, uh, you know, four years, and right. it's going to give us what about, right about President Trump tweeting? Let's aside for the fact that he just insults <clears throat> all the intelligence agencies, which seems yeah. inane at this point. And I get they get it wrong, but for goodness' sake, they get a lot right that we don't know about. You know, he he insults Boeing on the air, and the stock drops. He insults another country. Who knows? He's mm-hmm. going to go after. Is this something a responsible person should be doing? Who's running our country is is using Twitter and. And truly a bully pulpit in the worst way possible. Oh, uh, of course he shouldn't be using it this way. And, you know, I fully expect there will be a time, you know, that after he becomes president, he will direct his mob of followers against an individual citizen for some perceived slight. He's done it already. But I think think it's going to become even... Uh, more powerful and more uh, upsetting and scary after he becomes the president of the United States. Uh, like he, he very well could put people's lives into danger. And that's going to present Twitter with the question of what do we do about this? And honestly, of all the tech companies that are kind of going to kiss the ring this week, mm-hmm. like, uh, and I understand Twitter isn't, isn't going to that meeting, but man, Twitter actually has the power to do something here. Can you imagine if they put a temporary suspension on the, the Twitter account of the president of the United States? It would be an incredibly lied, powerful yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, if he lied or if he just, you know, used his bully pulpit to threaten someone. Yeah. They, they're, they're the one company yeah, that but could. You know what? It's, yeah. like, it's like cockroaches. You know, you fumigate one building and they just kind of skitter around to the next guess, opening they can find. And, and he would find another platform to, you know, sort of evade the mainstream press and get all of his points yeah, across yeah, on it, some I, other platform. I, I, this, I, don't, I think it's a really interesting question. Now, Twitter is the only company who has publicly said they will not be part of a Muslim database. 
it's insane that the other tech companies don't absolutely say that. It's appalling, yeah. and they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. Twitter's the only company that's done that. And Twitter, time after time, has come out very strongly, despite all its issues about harassment on this platform. They have not done enough to deal with that at all by any means. But in these issues, they have been strong, which I think is very admirable. They have. It's it's worth praising them. I mean, I think it's you know it's one of many reasons why journalists, you know, even though we criticize Twitter, the company, we like love Twitter, the service. And one reason yeah. is that because they have sort of stood up to uh, the the government on issues like this. And man, do we need companies to stand yeah. up to the next administration? I, mean, I literally mm-hmm. call on every tech company to resist the Muslim database, any kind of database, a registry of, of citizens. It's appalling. It's abhorrent. It's it's appalling. It's and everything this com- country was founded uh, yep. in opposition. Mm-hmm. Well, good for Twitter. Let's hope the rest of them figure it out. That they need to be citizens first. I'm, yeah. I'm sure there will be more news in the coming days. In fact, I think I just saw a headline across BuzzFeed um, earlier about a group of companies saying, you know, and I'm going to look it up quickly before I speak out of tune, saying engineers were... Fighting. Yes, engineers. Yeah. Yes. BuzzFeed just had a story that said engineers have decided not to be part of that. It, but it was a group yeah. of like 60 engineers from across Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. It's a right. wonderful start, but I would love to see that Everybody. number be 600 no. or 6,000. No, but one of them yeah. will. One of them will. Yeah. Oracle, probably one of them. So, yeah, the, uh, engineers from Google, IBM, Slack, and Stripe, among others, uh, a pretty large group of them have pledged mm-hmm. to never build a database of people based on religious beliefs. So, or anything um, hopefully, like that. more companies stand up, you know, entities, organizations, but at least individuals are taking a stand. And these are the people that build this the stuff. CEOs should be doing it, period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. End of story. Same thing on immigration reform. Same thing on a lot of things. So, we'll see if they will. They probably won't. Casey? So, how do you feel about 2016? Um, you know, it was honestly, I think one of the one of the saddest and most upsetting years we've had in this country in uh, in many years. But at the same time, there are there are reasons to be hopeful. Uh, there are going to be cool things next year. There is still joy and beauty and happiness in the world, and it's up to us to to go and find like it. Like your plaid shirt you're wearing right now. I I mean, I look hot as hell right now. Everybody's mm-hmm. saying it. Uh, we'll try to get a picture included on the tweet I'll for this episode. Up. Yeah, I'm gonna well, I, and I'm gonna look great in 2017. Casey, we were so glad you were part of our first episode, our inaugural episode, and we're thrilled to have you back anytime. I love yes. it. Yes, and uh, and my pleasure. And you and I really do have to take pictures of each other and stuff we each do because we're a popular couple exactly Absolutely. we're a, we're a tech power we're couple a tech now power couple makes me now. so happy so excited excited <laughs> for the wedding it'll be great lauren is officiating i don't know if you know i that. am yeah oh, mm-hmm. thank She's you i'm happy to yeah i can All take right photos then. too <laughs> this has been another great episode of too embarrassed to ask again casey thank you thank yes you. casey thank you so much for joining us and hopefully when we talk to you next we'll be talking about some social network that's going to last all of 48 hours right it's but peach. that was our first episode. Is Peach Casey gone? Newton. Is Peach gone? It's. I think the servers are still on, but it's yeah. not in development. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. 2016 was not a peach. But if you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. You could leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. You can write stuff like, I really like Casey's shirt, or Kara talks too much about her cats, oh or... Just write whatever you want. Just leave us a review. And subscribing is great. You'll be the first person to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. That's iTunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. Or you can subscribe on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're now on SoundCloud. Or you can listen to every episode at recode.net slash podcasts. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. The Verge also has some great podcasts 
Walt Mossberg and Neilai Patel host Control Walt Delete, which is an awesome podcast. Neilai also usually hosts the flagship show, The Verge Cast. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. Thanks for listening, not just today, but throughout this year. We really appreciate all of our listeners and Too Embarrassed fans. And thank you again to our sponsors, Casper and Capital One. Thanks also to Digital Media, which is the company that distributes this show. We'll be back next week and next year to answer more of the questions you have been too embarrassed to ask. And also, thank you, Lauren. What Thanks, a great Kara. year. Thanks, Kara. This has really been such it. a fun year. Good. I know, because otherwise I feel like I'd never see you because you're such a like a busy I'm woman. A you're a bon vivant and a jet setter. And But I have this weekly standing appointment with yes, you, which is yes, great. So yeah. even if you're like breaking scoops you about Jack Dorsey on your phone. And the movies. You never and, asked me. You know, even if you're not looking at me when okay. we're actually in the same room, I'm still just happy to be there. I'm waiting for the dinner invitations that never come. I we were gonna do dinner last week and then yeah. you moved locations. No, no, I'm not even gonna go into it. Anyway, in any case, I'm thrilled to be doing this podcast with you and I'm really enjoying it and I love our banter and everything else. So Thanks, happy Kara. 2016. Thank God it's over. And uh, as John, the late night guy says, John Oliver, fuck 2016 <laughs> and welcome 2017. And I look forward to another year with Lauren Good. I look forward to a year with Kara Swisher, K-Swish. K-Swish, oh my God. All right. Thanks so much and tune in to our next show in the new year.